This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And welcome, everybody, to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen. Uh, For those of you who are listening on a podcast platform, please look in the description of this episode. You'll see a link or two where you can click in if you would like to help us on this journey of spreading the good news. If you're watching on YouTube, same thing. Look in the description of this episode and you'll find a link where you can click in and support us. Today's guest is Jill Wiley. She's a self-taught personal finance mentor and coach. You fascinate me, Jill. I've been looking forward to having this conversation. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Well, uh, the pleasure is mine. I'm here to learn. I'm here to be inspired and motivated. That's why I ask any guest to come on because there's someone who inspires me, motivates me, uh, or they have knowledge that I can learn from. So that's why you're here. I think that your self-taught, your self-education and personal finance is fascinating. And I I think that that is a type of self-education that everybody, regardless of what they do, regardless of where they live, regardless of their goals, everyone can advance their life, their lifestyle with a little bit of personal finance knowledge. What, what got you interested? What got you interested? Oh, I was really lucky because uh, my parents talked to me about money. Like in a lot of families, talking about money is taboo. It's yes. a, It's either a sense of shame or we don't want other people to know how much we have. Or I, I really don't know because I've never lived in a family that functioned with money as something you didn't talk about. Yeah. Um, but when I was young, I grew up in the United States uh 1980s mainly what state can I ask? I, st- indiana indiana okay yes a farm state yeah and yeah. i grew up on a farm okay yeah and i don't know if your um, listeners will be familiar with the farm crisis in the 1980s but it was ugly it was ugly it was ugly it was rough and it hurt a lot of families i'm from rural ohio so i remember those days yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So I remember growing up um, worrying about whether we were going to lose the farm. And we would have lost the farm if we hadn't just gotten lucky in a couple of places at the right time. But um, I think that influenced me to care a lot about money. Yeah. And I think that having parents who were both lucky and savvy helped a lot. Well, that good, uh, that's a good combination. Um, I believe in luck, but I also believe that knowledge opens the door for even more luck. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I forget who it was and I might mangle the quote, but it's something along the lines of, I believe in luck and I found the harder I work, the luckier I get. Now that doesn't cover everything. There are a whole lot of exceptions to yeah. that. There's a lot of variables, but, uh, but you mm-hmm. know, uh, knowledge, drive, determination, it, mm-hmm. that does lead to more luck. I've experience that i'm sure you have as well absolutely absolutely. let let me ask you let me ask you why uh, i just want to jump in here uh, before you go on why do you think that so many people are so afraid to talk about money because that is a fact most people get very uncomfortable like you said they don't want to people they don't want people to know how much they make some people don't even know they don't even want others to know what they do for a living right i think the answer to that is as individual as the people who have those feelings Okay. Yeah. Um, Good answer. Yeah. But some of the big ones are they have bad early memories about money. 
If mom and dad fought about money, then money makes people not like you. You know, we put these ideas in our head. We interpret things uh, in ways that we don't even know that we're doing. And then that feeling stays with us. Well, that's a form of trauma, isn't it? Oh, yes. I absolutely believe it is. Yeah. Um, And so, and some people think that they had a bad experience where they were shamed about money, having too much money, having too little money. And instead of being able to unpack it and say, okay, this happened around money but it could have happened around looks. It could have happened around anything. It becomes money. That's that issue. And yeah, no, go ahead. You feel bad about something. You don't want to talk about why you feel bad about it, especially if you're not sure yourself. Yeah. You know, and the more hardship a person faces, the less fit mentally, emotionally fit they are to tackle their core problems. And if it's finances, they're in for a long and difficult life, unnecessarily so. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a mental there aspect. A of, there's a mental aspect to this. Yeah. I think, I think it's mostly mental. Yeah. You, everybody knows that you shouldn't max out your credit cards. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody goes into it going, I am going to max out my credit cards and I'm going to be success, successful financially because of it. Nobody does that. No. But people still spend money that they don't have. And so if you can figure out why, then you can, it's not going to all go away at once. There's no silver bullet, but you can start figuring out why you react certain ways. So can I guess that a large part of your coaching and mentoring around personal finance has to do with guiding people towards uh, opening up to a healthy relationship when it comes to money? I would say a healthy relationship with money and also a healthy relationship with themselves Uh because so many times money becomes a surrogate for what we're insecure about. Interesting. Interesting. I can see that. I think I can see that. Um, It used to be almost like a a male chauvinist thing or an anti-woman thing to talk about or joke about women who go on shopping sprees and just mm-hmm. blow up that credit card. Um, uh, yeah, there, you can find some humor in that if you're a stand-up comic. I am. I, I've uh-huh. joked about my wife <laughs> doing exactly that. But when we think about the health aspects of it, we could be talking about women and men, and men but in this case we're talking about women who, as you say, they're doing this excessive shopping, this maxing out of the credit card to compensate or to cover up uh, uh, something in their lives. What kind of things, when you start digging down there in your coaching, what kind of things do you find? Well, one of the things that can happen is that it is a, um, it's actually, you're, you're familiar with scarcity versus abundance mindset. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you're afraid you're not going to have money, when you get money, you spend it completely seems irrational, but money goes away. If, if I grew up poor and I know that there just never is enough money, then I better enjoy it while I've got it because it's not going to be there tomorrow anyway. So I'm either going to lose it without having enjoyed it or I'm going to lose it, but I've still enjoyed it. Walk me through your coaching process. Okay. You have someone, what, what kind of clients do you deal Teachers. with? 
Ah, teachers. Yeah, I, I, I read that. Yes, teachers. <laughs> I, I only, uh, my focus is teachers because, well, honestly, because so much of this is, is just tangled up with the devaluing of teachers that we see in the U.S. right now. Isn't it sad? It's it really is. Oh. It's breaking my heart. It breaks my heart too. Um, one of the first jobs that I had when I came here to Norway was as a teacher. So I, I always had respect for teachers, but boy, did that respect deepen when I actually was working as a teacher amongst other teachers and seeing not only my struggles and challenges, but theirs. Where were you then? We needed a coach then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually honestly pivoted my focus away from personal finance as much because right now there are so many teachers who want to get out of the classroom. Yes. Yeah. So I'm kind of working at it from the, okay, you want to get out of the classroom. Here are the things that you want to teach, you want to do. Because I have left the classroom four times in my life, every time thinking I wasn't going back. But yeah. I happen to actually really love teaching. Yeah. So I just, I just keep going back to it. But um, what are, and, and the finances are really only underpinning that. I see. Of, what do you have to know if you if you're having a mental breakdown? What do you have to know stat if you're quitting tomorrow and you don't get another paycheck? What do you have to take care of? What do you what do you need to do if you're doing three months from now? Okay, maybe it's a year out. Yeah. Um, and so I've really tailored it to teachers at the moment. That's very interesting. And I would I would call that a necessary uh, uh, assistance platform, given that teachers, as 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 we both know, are so um, well, they're straight up disliked. There's people who are cursing. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's terrible. It's pathetic. I wonder if. Well, I don't want to get into politics, but there is a political element to this um, plight that teachers in America have. How. Do you ever get any do you ever get pulled into that political realm where people Yes. It's it's a big thing. And a lot of teachers uh, in a lot of my teacher groups, you will have people say, "Stop voting for people who are treating us this way." And then you'll have another side that says, "Oh, you just don't like this this party. That's what the problem yeah. is." And you're trying to tell me who to vote for. And there is a lot of tension in those groups. Oh, that's terrible. Especially it, in the Midwest, which you know yeah. It can be fairly conservative <laughs> and teachers yes. are conservative like yeah. Yeah. teachers are not known as wild people generally no 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 i don't think i can remember a single wild teacher they were most <laughs> most of them were pretty square <laughs> yeah. with the bifocals and the quite conservative posture and everything yeah. yes i yeah. pride myself on being a dork it's one of my <laughs> points of pride now i said conservative you said dork i just want to point i didn't say I dork she did <laughs> Listen, I need to take a break for some music. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. And I want to ask you about, and, and I think this kind of correlates with, uh, you, you mentioned uh, teachers who may be, you know, quitting tomorrow. You know, it's a rather sudden thing. You've had some rather abrupt things that you've had to adapt to in your life with your move here to Norway. I want to talk about that on the other side. Let's listen to a little bit of music Sounds first. Sounds good. This is Coming Home with John Allen. Thank you all for listening. And we're back, everybody. This is Jill Wiley, and we're talking about we're talking about personal finance. We're talking about coaching, mentoring. Uh, I want to talk about your rather 
it wasn't abrupt because it was, there was a lot of planning, but there were many abrupt turns and pivots on your path to coming here to Norway from the United States. Can you talk about that a little bit? First of all, where did the desire to come to Norway come from? Well, that's that's hard to answer since you said just said you didn't want to get too political, but I'll do my best. <laughs> No, uh, go ahead. I, I, I say that half joking. People know that just about every conversation starts to weave into the political realm. And it is a reality. It's a fact that po politics got crazy in America starting about five and a half, six years ago. Yes. Yeah. And and I will say that both my husband and I, luckily we were on the same page, but we say um, it wasn't any one thing yeah. that, that made us decide. We looked at a lot of the foundational basics and we went this is not trending in a direction that we like i see we're feeling more and more uncomfortable with this we're feeling more and more uncomfortable with the role of money in politics yeah we are feeling more and more uncomfortable with the um the importance of money over humanity oh you nailed it yes and and that was yeah. a big problem yeah. and we didn't want our children to think that was normal yeah um it, it was because we wanted them to, to grow up in a place where children are valued and happy and we think a lot more about their social emotional well-being but it was also because we didn't want them to become adults thinking that that is the way things are supposed to be you know it's i can i see exactly what you're talking about and and that's the source of my homesickness you know i've been here for 20 years so I came here long before things got crazy and weird and divided back home. So I was here when all of that was happening. And it, make, it made me feel, and a lot of other Americans who have been here in Norway for a long time can identify with this. Maybe you can as well. But just being here and seeing what's happening back home, and you have this feeling of helplessness. Yeah. Do you feel that? I, well, that's, that's part of the reason that I... I have gotten into helping teachers because ah. I feel like I left so many of them behind in the trenches. So that's called and giving back plain yeah. and simple. You're giving back. You're trying to I fix had it. So yeah. many resources that not everybody does. So I wanted to, um, I, every time I find out that a teacher is leaving, it breaks my heart, but I also don't want them to be crushed by the system. Yes. So. Yeah. But, um, so that was that was the main source of it. We looked at Canada, but my husband uh, has um, ancestors here, no close oh, relations. Okay, yeah. but um, his both his great grandmother and great grandfather were full Norwegian, and so he okay, grew up with Lefse yeah. and Kransakaka. <laughs> um, yeah. And he'd always kind of wanted to come back to Norway, and we looked at it. We actually took a trip here and visited two years before we moved because yeah. we didn't want the kids to go someplace they'd never ever been. We wanted them to have some kind of an idea of what they were in for. Yeah. We wanted to see if it fit with us. Um, and we were sold. You know, there's so much to love here about Norway. You know, again, I'm homesick, but but I feel that I'm homesick for something that doesn't exist anymore. Things have really changed back home. But yes. having said that, you know, there is that homesickness thing, but, but, here in Norway, things are pretty doggone good. Uh, you know, you mentioned kids and their comfort and the in the attention that uh, society puts on kids or should put on kids back home. They're actually doing that here. It is a safer, more flexible, more giving, more understanding environment for just about any kid, regardless of where you live in Norway. Right. You agree? Yeah. 
I would. I would. I absolutely would. And when one of the things that impressed me so much when we visited here was we were on the train and my, because of the way the seats were set up, my daughter was sitting across from me. She wanted to come talk to me and she was standing up. She was really too long, young to be standing up and the conductor came through and instead of griping and being mean, he, he looked at her, he smiled, he <laughs> winked, he looked at the seat, he pointed, he looked at her again, he smiled and pointed. He was so nice about it. Now, I understand that that's not going to happen everywhere, and I'm sure no. that there are grumpy conductors. And, sure, but sure. But it was just such a gentle way of re remembering her safety. She yeah, needed to sit yeah, down, yeah. but not not hurting her feelings in the process, or mine. I always see these, you know, and I thought where I grew up in, in, uh, in Ohio, uh, out in the cornfields of Ohio, I thought that was like an archaic, you know, never lock the door uh, mm -hmm. type of place with a certain air of innocence over everybody. But that is really noticeable here in Norway where it's this, um, yeah, it's just a quaint archaic friendliness it is that that a lot of people have not not all people here in Norway because there's some jerks there's people who yeah. have you know Norway has its problems with xenophobia uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it does uh, you know things like that um, mm -hmm. but above all of that there is that openness friendliness and genuine concern for kids which as a parent you know I have a 16 year old and a 14 year old and as a parent that just makes me feel good I know that there are things back home that would be scaring the living daylights out of me when it comes to what my kids would have to face that we just Absolutely. don't have to deal with here in Norway. And that's a relief. Yes. And yeah. I, I imagine that your kids have probably not done many active shooter drills in school. Not many, not many at <laughs> and, all. You know, I, as, um, as a, no, go ahead. Go ahead. As a teacher, that was something that we did pretty much on a monthly basis. And isn't that scary? Isn't it, isn't it scary? Isn't it strange? Isn't it out of place? that that has to be done. I mean, and it has to be done. And you know, I look, look, look what's happened, you know? Right. So now I, I, people ask me all the time, is it better in Norway? In a lot of ways it is. I can't say overall that Norway is better because I still have the things that I miss and that I enjoyed back home. But in a lot of ways, it's pretty doggone good over here. You're right. And, and say, I think it depends on what your priorities are. I mean, I'm sure you feel this. We miss our family. We both were really close to our family. And yes. the kids miss their grandparents terribly. Yeah. And the farm. The farm cats. You understand if you grew up in the country, yeah. you, you miss the farm. Yeah. But on the, on the totality of it, I think that the quality of life has been better, especially during the, during the pandemic. Oh, the pandemic. <laughs> on the other side, we have to talk, uh, do another music break, but on the other side, I want to talk to you about um, the pandemic and how it affected your coaching. Um, it was actually a good time for me. Good. We'll talk about that on the other side. Let me play a little bit of music here. Thank you all for listening so far. This is Coming Home with John Allen. And welcome back, everybody. This is Coming Home with John Allen. I want to remind everybody that if you look in the description of this episode, if you're listening to the podcast or watching the podcast, you will see a few links where you can click in and support the work that I do. If you're listening on my radio program, just kick back, keep listening, light a few candles, relax, and enjoy this wonderful conversation. Jill, uh, 
we were talking, uh, we started to talk about um, the pandemic and the shutdown. Um, I guess it depends on what type of work people do. Uh, some people who do, who did office work really thrived being able to, you know, sit around in their underwear and bunny slippers and, and drink coffee and do their work from home. Some people thrived with that. Some people suffered. Uh, as an entertainer myself and a podcaster, radio guy, I had a great time. I had access to a lot of people. How did you experience that as a coach and mentor? Well, honestly, it is, I am just trying since January to get back on my feet because, um, I teach. So I teach four days a week and then I build my business one day a week, um, with three kids, a global pandemic trying to teach online and even since we've been back it is okay how many classes are we going to have to cover because how many people have corona this week well yeah you know it, it has been a really stressful time in a lot of ways so i finally threw in the towel in august of 2020 so i made it through about three months and i yeah. just went okay my kids are suffering i'm suffering I have to choose, I have to prioritize between my family and the business that I want to build. And I just shut it. It was just gone. Um, I didn't have anybody that was counting on me at that point. So I was able to do that pretty easily because everybody else was as distracted as I was. Yeah. Um, And then in January, I said, okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get back at this. So it's very much, very much a work in progress. And like you said, anytime when you when you go into a job somebody has an idea of what they want you to do and what the outcomes are going to be yeah yeah when you start a business you really you ha- you know what your skills are you know what your interests are you know what you want to accomplish but i think that if you are too rigid in how you're going to accomplish that ah it's going to get bad um so i'm not i think you read about this in the in the um blog post perhaps but before we moved here, I actually started a language teaching business. I ran it for about two years. And then when we decided we were going to move here, we knew that I was going to make more money faster by just getting a job instead of building yeah, yeah. a business. Um, and when I started that business, when I've started this one, it's about like you have to get it going before you know what people need. Yeah, it, it, it's it's quite the dynamic process, and and I think a lot of people run into trouble. A lot of business uh, people who are starting out their own business run into trouble because, as you said, they're a little bit too rigid, and they it may be hitting them in the face that hey, you need to pivot here, and this is a better way. This is an easier way, but they and I I guess that can be admired that you have that stick to itiveness, but it cannot be to one's own dent- detriment. You have to be open and. You know, keep your head on a swivel, as we used to say in the Marines. You've got to keep that right. 360 degree vision because opportunity may not be where you first thought it was. Am I right? Mm-hmm. So that's it, it. Just kind of stopped, and so now I started back again in January, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it really slow." Yeah. Because the stress is is much improved, much improved, but it's still there. You know, well, we sure, you've got your hands. You've got your hands full. You've got your hands full. You've got the kids. You've got the teaching. You, it's, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> right. So, yeah. we're just, we're just taking it as it comes and seeing what works. Where are uh, most of your clients? 
Your, uh, the teachers that most of them are in the U.S. Yeah, most uh, of them are in the U.S. And simply because I'm from Indiana, most of them are from the Midwest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go where you know. That's what I say. That's my motto. Go where you know. <laughs> um. Can you? Well, go where you know. Yeah. What do you think, though, about uh, the prospects of taking in more Norwegian clients and actually having face-to-face rather than by Zoom or Skype or whatever? Well, I think, honestly, that I, I'm not familiar enough with the system here yet. Yeah. I'm not familiar enough with how Norwegians handle money because Norwegians, like Americans, don't just say, hey, this is how much, you know. Um, it, it seems to be a fairly private thing. So I don't really know how things work in Norway. And I feel in my heart, my calling is to American teachers at this moment. I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really very much. I started with a personal finance bent knowing that I wanted to help teachers, but my whole, my, my goal all along was to help teachers. Yeah. I, I really, um, my sister is a teacher. And we are very different people. I am not a normal teacher. Normal teachers no. will follow the rules, uh-huh. and that's you, the way it works. Are you a trailblazer? <laughs> I, I kind of am. And so, but I see so much in my sister. You know, when I, when I changed jobs, when I moved here, I was excited. I was over the moon. I was thrilled. This is going to be fun. Change has a really different feeling for her. She yeah. doesn't like it as much. She gets a lot more nervous. She questions herself a lot. Um, and because I kind of straddle those two worlds where I'm with a lot of teachers, a lot of teachers are my friends, but at the same time, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm willing to take a risk. Yeah. Part yeah. of what I'm trying to do is pull them along and say, yes. first of all, you don't have to put up with the abuse. There are other options. If this is destroying you, please, please consider other things. And also... Um, you, you don't, it's not your job to save the system. The system yeah. is, is having problems right now. And, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I would think that a lot of teachers have all the tools they need to go into business for themselves. They do. To, to become they coaches themselves, do. to become mentors themselves. Absolutely. Yeah? The, the one thing that they're lacking in many cases is the confidence. I see. That's, I see. that's yeah. it. And they actually have a lot of life skills as well, a lot of career skills. Sure. I heard it explained by a teacher the other day who had been in the corporate world and been a teacher. And I am just going to steal her idea. I don't remember her name, but it was brilliant. <laughs> she said, okay, if you've always worked in the corporate world, I want you to imagine that you are in meetings six and a half hours a day. Ah, uh, yeah. But you're not only in the meetings – you also have to plan the meetings. Every single meeting, you have to plan and you have to run. So you can't kick back and, and do other work at the same time. And you're still expected after the meeting to evaluate how the meeting went, to communicate with all the stakeholders, to do all of these things. Could you do that in 30 minutes a day outside of class? And that right there is a testament to the badassery of teachers. <laughs> They're so... Yeah, they're strong within in their with their resources. They're so flexible. They're so tireless. I shouldn't say tireless. They do get tired, but my gosh, but my gosh, <laughs> the ability, really the, right the, the ability, <laughs> but the ability to multitask uh, surpasses that of most CEOs. I would say. 
it, I actually have read a study and I, I'm big on sources, but I can't cite a source. And so take this, it's worth what you paid for it possibly. <laughs> but um, teachers on a minute by minute basis make more decisions than surgeons. I believe that. And that a is a great way. surgeon is focused and I'm yeah. not taking anything away from them. I do not want to be a surgeon. Yeah, no, but, but that's, a, that's a great way of putting it though. That's quite true. I, I believe that, yeah. Because every single second you're in the classroom, you're honest to goodness simultaneously thinking about every single kid in the classroom plus what you're presenting. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Johnny isn't making eye contact. Is that because he's trying to do something he shouldn't be or is it because he needs to get up and get a drink? And and it's constant for yeah. all of the kids. So teachers, they are amazing multitaskers. They are very good with confidentiality. They are able to run meetings. They're able to do public speaking. They're able to break down complex ideas. But they all just call it teaching, and they don't think they can do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I... I I get that. I think a lot of teachers get to a point where they're so worn out, so broken down, so disheartened by all of the negativity that's thrown at them constantly, especially over the last four or five, six years. Uh, they don't see their own skill set. I would agree with that. And I, and that's where you come would, in. That's where you come in I'm as gonna, the coach I'm and mentor. I'm going to put in a plug for international teaching here. I teach at an international school here in Stavanger. And the whole... I, I've always this is this is where good teachers come when they die. Like yeah, I just yeah. want to be good so that when I die I come back here because I'm treated like a professional. It is so different. I've I've had quite a few speaking engagements, especially dur during the COVID crisis and, and lockdown and stuff. I had a lot of speaking engagements for uh, several international schools here in Norway, and it's just a different. It's a different group of teachers and it's a different group of students it's just it different it's different but i think yeah. that and i haven't taught in a norwegian school uh, a communist school but i think that in general it is recognized that teachers do have some knowledge and they do have some expertise and that's yeah. not uh, not really recognized in the u.s right now no sadly sadly but there you go. There's your there's your customer base. There's a lot of right. people that need your help. Um, as we wind things up here, I want to ask you to do two things for me. You didn't know I was going to uh -oh. have you do things for me here. But what I do, I like to ask every guest who comes in, if, if I say three words, I would like you to finish the sentence for me. Can you do that? Okay. Okay. Pop quiz. Yep. Jill Wiley is... A carer. A carer. What a good thing to be. Yes, I, 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 I do. I. The reason I will always go back to teaching is because I love teaching, and it sounds like I might not um, when I talk about all the negativity. But I, I've gone back four times because every single time my life wasn't complete well, without it. Well, I would say talking about the negativity uh, uh, within the teaching realm is just talking about the reality of it. And that in itself is not anything negative. You know, the meat and bones of it is negative, but talking about it is quite positive. I think it needs to be spoken on. And we need more people like you who care, more people who are trying to do something to help those teachers. Because if those teachers get support, that means that our children who are their students will get more support. And that's a good that's thing. Exactly right. There's nothing negative about that at all. 
Yeah. The second thing I'd like to ask you to do is, again, uh, I just want to repeat this. Everyone who I have to come onto my program is someone who inspires me, someone who motivates me, and someone who I think I can learn something from. So you fit all three of those categories uh, and then some. Well, that's very kind of you. It's the truth. It's the truth. So along those lines, I care about my listeners and my viewers I want them to get as much out of these conversations as I get. Is there something you can say, a few sentences, a paragraph, however long you want, something you can say to help lift people up and help them along their journey? Everybody out there is struggling in one way or another. And I try to put content out there that helps people along the way because this content helps me along my way. So I want to give back to the people watching and listening. Can you help me to do that? Well, I love that. I think that's a great way to end every segment. Um, I, this this is what I was going to say, and I actually kind of thought about this. If there's one piece that I want to leave people with, um, before we started the the um, recorded part, I was trying to figure out, oh my goodness, where am I going to do this? Because there's a video with it. And I don't have anywhere I can do video. We just moved into this house uh, in October. We're trying to get things redone. It's not working. Um, And so I knew that my background was going to be sketchy. Um, That's not so bad, though. There is is a part of all of us that wants to wait until we have it all together. And I will be, I will be frank. I do not have it all together. (laughs) Um, We just, we're just making it through the day, but I want people to know that they don't have to have it all together. If you wait until you have the perfect background, if I'd waited for the perfect background, we wouldn't have had this chat. Right, exactly. I would exactly. have said, hey, you know, I would love to get with you. How about we follow up in about three months? And then it would have been something else, and it would have been something else, and it would have yeah. been something else. Um, so my my thing to lift them up is, you know, don't go off and do things you're completely unprepared to do, but don't wait for it to be perfect. And admit it when it's not, because all of us need to, all of us think everybody else has it together. Yeah, You know. yeah. We all kind of think, oh, wow, if I could just be like that person or if I could just be like that person, I would be on a roll. I tell people all the time some of the best coaches have coaches themselves because it's a continual uh, period of growth. It's continual. It never stops. And that growth puts demands on a person. And sometimes you need guidance more. In fact, I don't want to say sometimes more often than not, you will need guidance along your path. So, yeah, we're all in a state of development. Absolutely. Yeah. So that would be my advice. My advice would be, yeah, don't wait till you got the right backdrop. Go on the interview today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen, can you tell people where they can find you? You know, I've got a lot of listeners in Norway, but I also have a lot of listeners back home in the States. Maybe there's somebody out there who needs the kind of help that you can provide. How do they find you? Well, my blog is called Classroom to Home. It has a a strong focus on personal finance and entrepreneurship for teachers. Um, My Facebook group, Classroom to Home Leave Teaching, is more specifically for teachers who, whether they're ready or not, the thought has occurred to them that this is not sustainable long term. Yeah. So that's a way to get in contact with me. And if they need to, to like, okay, I'm having problems. I need somebody to talk to. They can email me at jill at classroomtohome.com. And that's also available 
as the contact on my um, on my blog. So if they go there and they hit contact, that will get them to that email. Perfect. So that's classroomtohome.com, correct? Yes, .com? classroomtohome.com. I encourage everybody who needs it, and even if you think you don't need it, at least go to the website and check her out. Uh, Jill Wiley, thank you so much for the conversation. Um, thank you. I'm a better person now that I've had this conversation with you. You've lifted me up. You're helping me along my path. Like I say, I, I have people on who inspire and motivate me, and that's what you do. Um, well, right I, back at you, my friend. Well, thank you. And I also want to say to people, I'm, I'm going to link to that guest post uh, that you did on another blog because that's what first uh, made me aware okay. of what you're doing. Uh, I'm just telling everybody out there watching or listening, Go to the description of this episode and click on that link and read that post and you can hear how resourceful this lady named Jill Wiley is. Jill, thank you so much. Hold on for a second. I want to talk to you on the other side, okay? Don't hang up. Okay, thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. This is Coming Home with John Allen. We'll see you the next time. Go out there, love and be loved and enjoy the process.